0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Advocacy Channel, a customer marketing podcast. I'm your host, Will Fraser, and this is our fourth episode. Today, I'm thrilled to have Maria Croisset join us on the show. Maria has over 10 years of experience working on growth and customer marketing programs, and is currently the Principal Product Manager of Growth at Ancestry. With roots in both marketing and product, I'll be chatting with Maria on how growth marketers can best work with product and possibly even make the switch to product growth. Hi, Maria. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Hey, well, yeah. i um, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Our pleasure. Uh, so our listeners learned just a little bit about you in the intro, but, you know, I always love to kind of hear from, from people themselves um, you know, what is it that you're, you're working on today? What is your role like, uh, as the principal product manager, uh, growth, uh, at Ancestry?
1: Yeah. So I lead the product growth team here at Ancestry. Uh, it's a relatively new initiative within inside the company. So we have a new CEO who started at the beginning of this year and she comes from Facebook and that's really where product growth. Uh, started and and came to be, and uh, she's taking that learning and applying it to ancestry. And so I received an email uh, asking if I wanted to join and and lead the product growth team. And uh, thankfully, you know, I like them and they like me too. And so I ended up um, now working for them and we're building out the product growth team and running a number of experiments within the product. It's something that's relatively new to the company in terms of like running rapid, product growthy experiments, like as simple as, uh, testing copy and whatnot. So it's like a relatively new concept. Um, but I think a lot of people are getting really excited about the impact that it's having, um, to revenue. And so, so yeah, that's what I'm up to at Ancestry right now.
0: I mean, that's a a pretty big compliment for someone to, to reach out to you and, and invite you to, to come join them. And, you know, with the, the pedigree of Ancestry and Facebook, um, can you give us a little bit of a background on kind of how you, you got to, to be in, in such a, uh, desirable position?
1: Um, uh, so I started, I've always been in tech, um, but I started off in tech in venture capital. So I worked in venture capital for about four and a half years. I was at BDC Venture Capital, which is the largest venture fund in Canada. And, uh, and we worked with a number of up and coming Canadian companies in the early 2010s. So some of the companies that we looked at are Shopify, Hootsuite. And then um, some of the companies that we invested in are like Hopper. Uh, what are some of the other ones? But anyway, some of the really big up and coming companies at that time, now they're like massive billion dollar companies, which is really amazing to see. And then after my time at uh, BDC, I was there for four and a half years, I moved over to the operating side. And then ever since then, I've only really been doing growth. I've done both growth marketing and product growth. I started off in growth marketing. I think any growth marketing channel you can think of, I almost touch like, um, like Facebook, uh even direct mail um referrals affiliates i think the only growth marketing channel that i didn't touch is paid search uh i've I've never worked on that directly but everything else i've worked on oh yeah even like youtube and whatnot so um so yeah i pretty much did it all but uh i guess like my sort of quote unquote claim to fame is my work on referrals um, depending on which company you're in is considered a growth marketing channel or a product growth channel. Um, the first company that I worked in referrals was a growth marketing channel, but, and then I moved over to Lyft, it became more of a product growth channel. And a lot of people would consider that as a product growth channel. And so I really had the privilege of kind of like straddling both growth marketing and product growth. And then. Eventually I really realized I'm a much better product growth manager than I am a growth marketer. So, um, I am now 100% a hundred percent, a product growth person. So that's how, um, I ended up now in, in product growth.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty exciting. And some, definitely some, uh, some big names there. And, uh, I'm, I'm personally kind of interested in your, your time at Lyft before we maybe dig a little bit more into your, your time with ancestry. Um, Just help us understand that, you know, what, what kind of projects, uh, were you working on there and and what kind of teams did you, you interface, uh, in getting those projects done?
1: Yeah. So I joined Lyft specifically to build out their referrals program. Um, because I, in my, the previous startup before Lyft, uh, I already built a referrals product and, um, and then they saw, it's like, oh, we really need someone dedicated in referrals. And so they hired me, but uh my role started to expand to other pods as well so touching other growth marketing channels um specifically affiliates that was Mm -hmm. a big one paid email that was another one um i'm blanking there were another uh, other growth marketing channels i was working on oh um growth partnerships that was another one as well um but anyway at lyft we had a number of pods and so uh, we had like a search pod, a paid search pod, a Facebook pod. We had a referrals pod, um, and then and then other different kinds of pods as well. And so we worked really closely with the product team. So I was technically in growth marketing, but because inside the pod, there was like a growth marketer, a product manager, an analyst, um, uh, engineers, and then other folks as well. So uh, we worked on like a specific problem, but it was a cross-functional um, approach to solving that problem. So that was, that was my type of work at, 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 uh, at Lyft.
0: And were those members of the pods, were they all dedicated to that pod or did they kind of get spread around in other pods as well?
1: No, they were dedicated to the pod, which, which was great because for example, for referrals, I consider referrals is really like a product growth channel, but there is also a lot of marketing that is attached to it. So like, for example, emails, a product manager don't necessarily send out emails there are some very unique product managers who are pretty good at that but they're very rare um and so usually and especially in a big company like Lyft uh sending out emails to remind people referrals is more a uh a work by by a, a growth marketer
0: yeah and then you know we've got that that very diverse group there and i think that lots of marketers don't don't have that opportunity whether you're um you know on the growth side or any other side to to work with that diverse of a team um Were there any kind of, uh, does that bring up any unique challenges or any unique opportunities that you saw there?
1: No, I think that is like the most ideal work structure for any growth team is to have pods because you really get to see the cross-functional work working really well together. Otherwise, like if you're a marketer and you're just in the marketing team, you're always trying to find resources and it can Mm -hmm. really slow you down. But with a pod structure, things can move uh, much more quickly um, just because you have all of the resources dedicated to you. So I think that's the most ideal. But um, I understand, especially for smaller companies, that's that's not usually the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, the lack of resources is kind of a, a big blocker. I think that you just said there for a lot of marketing initiatives when you're trying to reach in and get, you know, a little bit of time from product or whoever it might be. And, and it can be quite quite a challenge there. Um And I definitely want to, you know, on a personally selfish level, I want to dig into your, uh, your referral experiences a little bit, but maybe we'll kind of shelve that for a moment. Um, And and I'd love to just kind of talk, you know, touch on this point as we've we've just been dancing around here so far, but, you know, growth marketing and growth product. Um, You know, I think these are, are very similar, but very different roles. And I'd love to kind of get your, you know, definition of, of what they what they are, what the difference is uh, between those two roles. Yeah,
1: I, I think this is, quote unquote, controversial. <laughs> well, I won't say it's controversial, but it, I'd say it's it really differs from company to company. But what I would say, so my definition of growth marketing is a group of people working on growth marketing channels. So whether it's like Facebook, um, uh, Google search, affiliates, whatnot, so using another platform, uh to create and bring traffic to the website Mm -hmm. i think where product growth comes in is when the user gets to the product post landing page but again that's the part that can get really controversial or can get really murky depending on which company you're in so um uh, my definition is Anything from the paid channel to the landing page, that should be growth marketing's um, turf. And then anything else uh, after the landing page should be product growth. But sometimes it can change. So (laughs) there could be like an onboarding flow that uh, the growth marketing team and the product growth team are trying to strangle like, oh, no, that's mine. That's yours. At the end of the day, you guys have the same goal. Um, And so uh, I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't want to be territorial about it, so um it's easier said than done you know when when you're in a company and you're trying to figure that out it's it's easier said than done, but um that's usually where the controversy starts to happen
0: and and as you said, you know these two teams have kind of the same goal um when you look at the skill sets between one you know one group and the other group um you know what what skills might they have in common and what skills do you think are kind of different between the roles?
1: yeah, I would say. The skill sets between a growth marketer and a product growth person are almost all the same except for one which is product growth people have dedicated engineering resources and so they have a better uh, well they have a much deeper experience working with engineering teams and working with engineering teams that is a that is a skill set um i remember when i started to work on product uh my first yeah, my first product, it it went it went so bad, like um, the when when we launched the the product, it should have taken only like a few days. But I think it took like a couple of weeks just because I wasn't working with the engineering team as well. Like I wasn't really thinking through all of the requirements and whatnot. So that is like a skill. And with with marketers, they don't necessarily have the the dedicated engineering resources whether you're in a small company or in a big company. And so that is a skill set that they don't have. Um, But other than that, like all of the skill sets are pretty similar. So for example, you're trying to think of like what the user is thinking, right? Like a growth marketer, they're building an ad, but they're thinking about, okay, what is the user thinking? Um, And then the product growth person, they're doing the exact same thing. It's like you're writing a spec. It's like, okay, what is the user thinking? And then they're coming up with ideas and then they have opportunities like um, oh, we should we should tell users that we're actually a product that a lot of people use. So we should put ratings and reviews on on an ad, but also product road people would also put that on like the checkout flow. So it's almost exactly the same. It's just the difference is working with engineering.
0: And and in your experience, um, you know, companies you've worked in, do you find these teams uh, are collaborating or are maybe operating kind of? often their own silos and aren't even aware of how similar they are?
1: I've seen them mostly in silos, even even in a pod environment. So I remember when I I was at Lyft, even in a pod environment, I don't think there was a mutual understanding that the skill sets are very, very similar. Uh, I think I think maybe it's just because of perception. Um, You know, here in the valley, when you're a marketer, you're a marketer and you're a product person, you're a product person. But I don't think anyone really has told them it's like you guys are doing exactly the same thing you're using the same skill sets like analytics user psychology, design thinking it's just that one has more engineering resources than the other
0: and, and I know you're you're on the product side of that equation now, but if you kind of look to the future and look at the trends of where you think the most impact that a, a marketer could have um you know I know it's a broad generalization, but do you think that there's more uh, opportunity to have impact inside of a product or outside of the product today, or, or do you think it's kind of equal?
1: Impact in terms of, of uh, company impact, like really high level metrics. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really depends on what the company is and where they're at. So for example, if you're in a startup and you don't have a lot of traffic, then probably the most impactful place for you to be is in growth marketing, right? Sending in traffic to your website. But let's say you're in a company like Ancestry where we get tons and tons of traffic every day just because we've got a really big brand and we have those uh, TV commercials that everyone um, sees, then the product is where you can make an impact. Uh, because one, we haven't really done a lot of product growth experiments before, but we do have a ton of, of, of traffic and um, it's kind of like a waste to not test on that traffic, right? It's like free traffic. There's a lot of companies that don't have that privilege of having so much traffic. So anyway, it really depends on the stage of the company and the level of traffic, um, either outside of the product or inside the product.
0: Yeah, I like that way of thinking. uh, I think a lot of our listeners are are people who want to have impacts at the at the companies they're at, right? They they're not just there to to put words on a screen. They want to have that impact. And I, I like the way you think about that, which is, you know, stage of the company and, and where the opportunity is, it's going to change based upon, you know, is, it, is there a lot of traffic or is there a lot of opportunity in product? Um I think that, that's that's really powerful uh, and, and some great uh, great ways to think about it.
1: Yeah, I my advice for people is when you're thinking of joining a new company. The number one thing that everyone wants and not just me but everyone wants is to make an impact right like at the end of the day that's really what they would want to do is um to put it on their resume and show like hey this is what i did they love to be part of those uh bigger conversations about what is the most impactful projects for for the company and so that's when you start to scrutinize the company as a whole it's like if you're a growth marketer and that's what you would want to stay in, then you really want to look for a company where their biggest problem at that point is growth marketing, because all eyes are going to be on you. And for people who love that type of energy, that type of responsibility, then you got to do that, where you ask whoever your hiring manager is, or you ask the founder, it's like, what is your biggest problem? And if they say growth marketing, and you're in growth marketing, perfect. And then so, um, or if it's the opposite side, it's like you ask the CEO, like, what is your number one biggest problem? And if they say product growth, oh, wonderful. You should be in product growth. But, um, but yeah, I think that would be my, my best advice for people.
0: Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Now, if someone say was in growth marketing and they wanted to transition, uh, to know product growth, um, what kind of, uh, advice w- would you give them, what kind of, you know, skills could they build and, and how could they, you, uh, or how could they do that well?
1: yeah i would say start working with the product team inside your company and start working really closely with the engineering team as what i've been mentioning in the last 10 minutes the really only key difference is working with engineering um, and building out that skill set of gathering the requirements for them Uh, because where it gets really tricky with product is there are a lot of requirements and you have to think through so many things right like with with growth marketing let's say you work on Facebook the only thing that you have to do is create the ad design the ad and then post the ad on the Facebook platform Um, for product you have to think about the happy path all right well what if users don't make it to the happy path what are all of the other paths that they could go through all right what are all of the different requirements like all of the events that we need to add into the product all of those things those things need to be thought through and it's really difficult for the first time because you don't know what you're expecting or what is expected of you in terms of requirements. But after your first, your first product launches, your first few product launches, you'll get in the hang of it. And then you'll start to see it's like, all right, these are the type of requirements that engineering needs. And so my recommendation for growth marketers is start working really closely with product as much as possible. Try to find those projects where, uh, where you get to work with engineering and you really get to build out those specs yourself. So you get a feel for uh, what is required for you in terms of um, writing requirements for product specs.
0: And, and I just wanna step back just a little bit there. You know, you mentioned the happy path and then these other paths. Maybe you could just dive in a little bit more to kind of what the happy path is and, and some of these other um, things that might emerge.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a really good question because a lot of people actually forget about the non happy path. So when you're building out a product, you're always thinking the ideal flow so you're thinking of a user is like, oh, okay, if they make it here, then they'll make it here, then they'll make it here, then they'll get to the part of the product that we want them to do. But most of the time, users don't go through that happy path, right? Like, what if a... Uh, I'm trying to think of a more specific example. Um, so I'll, I'll give an Ancestry example, but maybe some people I'll try to make it as as simplified as possible. So with Ancestry, what we do or what the users do is they get to Ancestry and then they start to build a family tree. And if we can find records about their ancestors, then we show the records. But a lot of our records are here in the United States. So for example, for me, I've lived in so many other parts of the world. And so I don't have a lot of records here in the States. And so um, the happy path, the happy path for users here at Ancestry is If your family has lived here for years, then we would receive, um, then we would be able to show you a bunch of records um, about your family. But for me, I actually won't go through the happy path. I won't see any records. And so what should I end up seeing? Right. And so those are the types of paths that people should really think about. And also, um, you should work closely with your analyst to see what percentage of people are going through that happy path and what percentage of people are going through other paths as well. And then really think about the product experience for uh, people who are not going through that happy path, because uh, yeah, even though you can't serve them, maybe there are other ways that you could serve them. And you know, that's, that's where product thinking um, comes to play. It's like, all right, well, they're already here. They've already spent, uh, let's say 10 minutes, 30 minutes inside the product. What else can we show them um, that's not the happy path, but what else can we,
0: we show them? And I think that's that's a great point for you to think about, especially coming from growth marketing uh onto the product side, because quite often whether we're we're forcing someone through a squeeze page or we are, you know, running an ad that really only has click or no click. That's my only two paths I really get here. Um, it can be quite a different view of the world to remember that uh there are potentially thousands of paths that someone could uh, could go down. Exactly. Yeah. And and you've talked you know, about requirements a couple of times here. Um and I feel like the the kind of the, the level of requirements that one might put forward in a, uh, in a marketing world might look and feel differently than those requirements you would see in a product world. Um, and I know you did that transition. So so maybe you could kind of share some of your experience as to kind of um, some of the things you learned or the surprises you, you had as you navigated from a marketing more style requirement to a, a product requirement.
1: I guess the most simplified way that I can give advice to people when thinking about requirements is just think about the user experience, (laughs) right? So think about what the user is going through. So like, for example, you have a paid advertisement, a user will click on it, what is the page that they see? And then where is the call to action? And then when they click on that, what is the page that they see? You go through that entire user journey, and then you start to think about all right, well, what are the things that the user needs, but also what do we need? So if a user gets to the landing page and then they click on the call to action, well, you got to make sure that there's the event that is behind that call to action so you can track those things. So anyway, just thinking through the user flow and thinking about the requirements for the user, but also think about the requirements for the company as well to track of the user behavior. That's really it. That's both for both marketing specs and product specs. But as what we talked about with product specs, it's a lot more complicated just because there are so much, so many more user flows, right? And so your requirements are just going to become much more uh complex and
0: complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you're in that more that product growth side, um, or maybe you're you're a growth market who's being asked to support in product, um, You know, you seem like you're more likely to be interacting with a product manager and those engineering teams. Um, Are there any challenges that you found that the product managers and engineering teams might have with understanding what what you're asking? Maybe there's like a a a, not a not a spoken language barrier, but like a terminology barrier or a process barrier there um, outside of the specs.
1: I think there may be a couple of things. Number one, product managers and engineers don't really have a good sense of marketing. I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but uh, for the most part, if people come just from an engineering background, they're really thinking from an engineering background, or if someone came from from purely product, let's say they started off as an associate product manager at Facebook, then they're always just like thinking about the product domain. Um, it's actually very rare to find people who really think about the entire user journey from From the brand marketing to the paid marketing to uh to the product and so um product people may not completely understand what marketers are trying to do so for example like if you're working on a facebook channel and there is a specific requirement that you need for the facebook channel and you you probably need to educate the product manager a little bit on like well What exactly is happening so um uh maybe walk them through the user experience it's like hey this is the ad that we're showing on facebook Mm. this is the user flow um this is where this is the help that we need from product like yeah showing it to them because they definitely need a bit of education of um some of the marketing channels because they've never touched it before um so that would be number one i think that's actually a really big one um and then the second point is Yeah, being a lot clearer in the engineering needs. So engineering, they always tend to always ask, it's like, well, what exactly the specific thing that you need, right? Um, Like, yeah, telling them the problem, they like that, but they're also like always asking, it's like, okay, what specifically do you really, really need? Um, (laughs) Is this gonna take like five minutes or is this gonna take two weeks? Because yeah, if you're not a product manager, then, They want to help you but they also know that they have a sprint and the product manager owns that sprint and so they need to like balance uh their priorities and so it'll be those two things number one really educating the product manager and engineer on the marketing channel that you're working on showing them the user experience and then second be really really specific um the thing that that you want the product manager or the engineering manager to do
0: yeah and I i think both those are great points I think that many of us can can shy away from that that second point, almost feeling like we're we're sharing too much or or we're in too much detail, you know, too early. But uh, absolutely, those those product teams, those engineering teams, um, they're they're just trying to estimate. They like details so that they can they can actually figure out if they can do it. And uh, they're just, you know, I think my experience is, you know, they're they're always trying to help. They just need to know more, maybe more information or different information than you thought uh, so they really can help.
1: Yeah. And I know this may be a really, really dull topic about, I mean, we've been talking about requirements for for a little while now, (laughs) but this is where it really comes in handy. So if you really start to think like a product manager and really thinking through all of the requirements, you can start to figure out what that specific thing that you need. And so when you talk to the engineering manager, it's like, this is what I need. And they'll be able to help you pretty quickly, uh, especially if the scope is quite small um they're happy to do so but again like when you put your product manager thinking on and thinking really through the requirements you can uh sell what you need much better
0: um than if than if you don't and and for those people who who haven't kind of put these kind of requirements together and they haven't maybe worked closely with the product managers um do you think that it's is it normally okay does no if you had to go ask a product manager how do you want specs you know do you find that they're helpful in that that request or, or is there a better way that someone can can you know if i've never written specs I, I need to understand this is there a better way they can do it
1: uh that is a good question um i i would say like most people are pretty pretty helpful um they're always they're always open to help out yeah. um and so i would say reach out to the product manager you're closest to and get like 15 minutes of their time and 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 ask how to how to write a proper spec there have been a a couple of really good product managers i've worked with where they have like a spec template and they actually have like very clear definitions of like uh what you should put in um you know for each topic inside the spec what are the details that you would need that has helped out a lot um for people who aren't in product Uh, but if that product spec template isn't available just pull a pm aside and and ask them for help um, i'm pretty sure they're they're open to it um i yeah uh most people here in here in the tech industry are just so open to uh giving feedback and helping other people out
0: yeah i i find that uh sometimes uh some of the people i've worked with have a, a wonderful tendency that they they want to respect others time uh and they they don't want to waste people's time and uh it can seem counterintuitive but but getting that 15 minutes to understand how the spec should be written or how they can best help them is going to save a lot more time um then uh yeah then not i think
1: and i don't and i'm not i know we're just talking about specs but i would say for everything um so like i remember in my first company um i was i was learning how to uh write sql so that was really fun um i was learning how to write sql but you know of course there's so many tables right and you're trying to figure out okay this table is connected to what and I realized, you know, a faster way to learn our tables is to just talk to the guy who built all the tables to see like what the the data infrastructure is like and how the data tables are all connected to each other. And so I had like a half an hour uh, meeting with him. He showed me really the map of of the data infrastructure that helped me out a lot. And then I got to the point where I think the two of us were the most proficient in terms of um, uh, analyzing our data because I really understood the infrastructure. So um, I think people also understand that when you're taking up their time or sorry, um, asking for their time for help, they know it's actually making you more efficient and also making Mm -hmm. them efficient as well. Right. Instead of me like paying him, it's like, what does this table do? Where does this connect that? You know, he just saved um, hours by just meeting with me for 30 minutes and showing me the data infrastructure.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna say that's that's an impressive feat if you're operating as a growth marketer and you become the number two most knowledgeable person about the data infrastructure. Um, you know, that's definitely good on you for sure there.
1: Uh, I don't know, um, I think- <laughs> Maybe it's dangerous I think I skill broke to have. Yeah, I think I broke one of the tables at one point. I don't think he was really happy, but anyway, sometimes it can be efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: fair enough, fair enough. Um, and you know, we we've definitely been digging into requirements and and this, you know, this transition from growth marketing to product marketing. But as we said at the beginning, you know, you you've had a I think a very interesting career, you know, jumping those two or two. I just those want to clear years.
1: product product growth, not product marketing. Product me, product marketing me. <laughs> is like a whole different can of worms that's like a completely different other team.
0: Yeah. Pardon me, pardon me. Yes, absolutely. Transition from from growth marketing to uh, to product growth. Um any other advice you know for people who will look at that 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 transition you know specs are really important but any other good advice you've kind of got along your career that you think that others would would really benefit from um
1: if you want to move into product then you really got to show your product chops and uh and be one of the louder people in the team as well so um So let's say you're in a big company, this is a much easier example. So let's say you're in a big company and you're in one of those pods, right? So remember in those pods, there's a growth marketer, an analyst, some engineers, a product manager, and maybe some other people, but, um, but in those pods, usually, of course, the product manager is the loudest because they're the ones technically leading the pod team, but as a growth marketer, don't just like sit back, really start to have a conversation with the product manager and for every meeting like really start to show your product chops because uh when that product manager has like the belief in you and then you want to move over to the product side that could be one of your ambassadors to help you mm. move from the growth marketing to to the product side so that's number 1 um if you're in a smaller company those pods are usually not part of the org structure um i would say yeah i guess still have those conversations with product team really show your interest and um and possibly like give them ideas of uh of like what to build really just always be part of that conversation but also be very very frank with people like whether it's like the head of product or also your boss that hey i want to move into product how can you help me Mm -hmm. um so i would say those two things like Actually, the second thing that I said is probably the most important. If you want to move to product, say it out loud, <laughs> say, it, say it out loud and really show that as your intention um, and so people can really help you start to move into product. And then the second part that you do is really show your value as a product thinker and as a potential product manager. I think that advice really goes for, for both big companies and small companies is um, Yeah, ask for what you want, right? I think we've, we've heard that before.
0: Yeah, we, uh, you, you don't get the deal unless you ask for it. You don't get the, uh, the role.
1: But also like people will really start to mentor you, um, get and get you prepped for, for, for being a product manager.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you ran one heck of a referral program over at Lyft. Uh, you know, you did so beforehand as well. Very experienced, um, in, in multiple different, you know, product growth channels, but but that's kind of what i'm always interested in you know if someone right now whether they're on the growth marketing side uh the product growth side has been asked to um to start a referral program for their company you know can do you do have kind of a, a a series of kind of best tips you'd give them
1: yeah the first thing that you need to do is build out a model okay so what i mean by that is um figure out what your traffic is and then calculate uh how many referrals could come out of your current existing traffic it's actually easier said than done i actually have a template of this model um in my medium account somewhere which i wrote a few years ago but uh but yeah basically setting the right expectations it's like this is the amount of traffic that we have based on this like back of the napkin math this is what i expect the number of referrals that we would have on a monthly basis so one you're setting the expectation, to, but also two you can also start to compare how large or how small referrals is compared to your other growth marketing channels like a facebook or a google search right because i think this is always the case with a lot of companies they think referrals oh man and then if referrals really start to um be really good then all of a sudden we'll hit virality but like what exactly is virality it's <laughs> Uh, yeah, you really need to temper and set those expectations. Like um, I think, yeah, people expect if you have a really good referrals program, then you'll turn into the next Dropbox or the next Lyft right away, which won't happen. Um, and so you'll it all comes down into a formula. So um, I can share that with you or you can try to find me on Medium. There is a template of that back in the napkin calculation. So that's number one, set the right expectations. And then number two, what you will discover in your model is that top of the funnel um, top of the funnel tactics are going to perform the best. okay Here is a really, really easy tactic for uh, referrals. Um, say you have the referrals product, right like where people can can add uh, email addresses or phone numbers, and then the person can So you need as many entry points to that product as much as possible, okay? Um, And when I say entry points, put it everywhere in your product. Like I remember at Lyft, we would show referrals when you uh, create your account. We'll show, okay, why don't you start referring people uh, before they take their first ride, during their ride, after their ride, um, before their second ride, um, after the tip. We put it everywhere. Uh, We put it in the, um, the tab. That would be probably your your actually i would say that would be the best impactful or the most impactful thing that you could do when it comes to referrals and it sounds really easy it's like oh you just put entry points everywhere i'm like yeah yeah that's really all you do like um the more entry points the better but of course you will start to see like it will start to you'll reach a ceiling at, at there was that point at live it's like there are no other places where we can put a referral. <laughs> <entry point. laughs> um, and so, yeah, so you'll definitely reach a ceiling. Um, so, yeah, you'll reach a ceiling. Actually, one, one other tip when it comes to adding entry points, put your entry points at the beginning of the user experience. This sounds really, really counterintuitive. People always think, well, they need to experience our product first and then we show them a, um, a referral prompt. No, when they create their account, show them a referral prompt right away, that is the entry point that will generate the most referrals. It seems really, really counterintuitive, but it's true. Um, yeah, just just trust me on that. <laughs> <laughs> just trust me on that. Um, I've already tested this a number of times. Uh, so yeah, it seems counterintuitive, but do it. Um, so that's one tactic. Um, another tactic is optimizing those entry points. So for example, like your first experiment you'll probably say like refer a friend well now start to optimize that it's like get fifty dollars um give fifty dollars uh refer your mother like test out the different copy test out um start optimizing those different uh entry points or maybe like your entry point is so small what if you make that bigger (laughs) right um there's just so many things that you could do with entry points so it sounds really silly or it sounds really small but believe me like that is going to be the most impactful part of referrals that you could do, and so that's why um, referrals feels more of like a growth marketing channel, right? Like a bunch of referral points, like email marketing um, and whatnot. It it does sound a little bit more of a growth marketing, but um, but it's also product growth. Um, you know i think product managers this is actually something that not a lot of product managers think about is entry points inside their product i mean entry points into their product um they would think it's like okay i built the product and they will come well, okay if you don't have any entry points then how 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 can they get there um, but yeah uh trust me on it top of um top of the funnel uh referral sorry top of the funnel referral tactics um that will perform the best and then you can get into inside the product like how you share um whether it's like sharing by email sharing by text sharing on facebook and whatnot that's those are some things that you can definitely optimize just keep going down the funnel you can optimize that but really focus on the top of the funnel
0: and i love that you have to about the top of the funnel it's just bring me right back to what we've been talking about this entire time that you know whether if this is given as a growth marketing initiative, but you need product support to put those entry points in, you know, you really need to build that bridge so that you can, you can make sure that there's all these entry points to the product, uh, to the referrals and program so that you can, you can drive those results.
1: Yeah. And so this is the part where I think if you have a growth marketing experience and also even like a little bit of a product experience, you're already in the top echelon of a lot of people and the reason why is because you're really starting to think about the user experience as a whole again like no matter where you are where you're a small company or a big company you are trained to really just focus on your one domain right yeah you're not trained to focus on like other parts of the domain like no one's going to teach you about the finance team or the legal team or if you're in product even like the marketing team and whatnot right so you're just so trained into that one domain but when you're um when you're starting to think of like other domains as well, basically you're just starting to think of the entire user experience, but really touching different teams. Then the way that you're thinking about things is already at another level.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, thank you very much for your time here. Is there any last little tidbits or, or last uh, comments you want you want to leave with the listeners uh, today?
1: No, I think maybe just a an emphasis that if you're a growth marketer and if you want to move into product growth, you already have. 90 percent i'd say 80 to 90 percent of the skill sets that a product growth manager has right i think the one thing you just need to do is really learn how to be uh efficient and productive working with the engineering team that is a skill set that you will you will need to learn and that could take some time but you will get to learn it and you already have 80 percent of the skill sets anyway so don't be afraid to move over to to the product growth side and even for product growth people if they want to move over to the growth marketing side actually that may be to be honest with you now that i think about it um moving it from growth marketing to product growth is a lot easier than moving from product growth to growth marketing um because into growth marketing you have uh you need to learn like the different platforms like facebook Mm. and google search and all of this and and um and they're a bit different right and the nuances are really different and then you get into direct mail and then tv it can get even more complicated Yeah. Now that I think more about it, moving over to the growth marketing team is much more complex. So, so yeah, so I want to empower growth marketers that, um, that you already have like really, a really, really good set of skill sets. And so if you want to move over, um,
0: do it, just do it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Maria. Um, if people wanted to find you online, is there anywhere that they could, uh, they could follow along with you?
1: yeah um definitely find me on linkedin uh, my email address in my linkedin page as well um so feel free to reach out to me i'm always open to talk about anything about growth i can talk like we can do this for another 12 hours if <laughs> yeah <you want. laughs> um i love talking about it i love sharing what i've done before but i also love talking to people who can share with me what what they're doing because um just because i've been doing this for a while it doesn't mean that I'm kind of like close to all of the ideas. I'm pretty sure like everyone else has a lot of ideas as well. So please feel free to reach out. All of my contact details are on my LinkedIn
0: page. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much again for your time today, Maria. This has been wonderful. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on the show uh, so we can continue that 12 hours more of conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you, Will. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning into The Advocacy Channel. Join us next time as we uncover more top insights and strategies from experts like Maria. If you like what you heard on today's show, please help support The Advocacy Channel by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about customer marketing, head over to our blog or follow us on LinkedIn. The links are in the episode's description. And finally, if you'd like to join us as a guest on the show, please email podcast at sasquatch.com. That's podcast at s-a-a-s-q-u-a-t-c-h dot com. And that wraps up another great episode of the Advocacy Channel. We'll see you real soon.